Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. I'm so glad that you're here. Romans 10 and verse number one. Brethren, he's talking to believers like you and me. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They're really zealous about doing religious things, but not according to knowledge, not according to truth. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For, here's why, here's the explanation, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. He is not saying that Jesus got rid of the law, but he came to fulfill the law. The law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ, but they are going about trying to establish through their works, through their celebrations, through following the, the law. They're trying to establish their own righteousness before God, just like most other people in the world trying to gain favor before God by being a good person. And Paul says, hey, Israel, my people, Paul was a Jew, and uh, he was called to speak the gospel to the Gentiles, but he was a Jew. And he says, my people, they, they don't have a knowledge that's right. They don't, they, aren't, they, they don't understand how to have the righteousness of God. They don't understand that it's by faith. They, they've missed this. They're very, very zealous, and they're very, very interested in religious things, but they, they've missed it. And my heart's desire, Paul says, oh, my heart's desire is that they would be saved. That's my heart's desire. You may be seated, and let's ask God to make that our heart's desire too. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for our guests. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for the opportunity to, to participate in missions and what you're doing around the world. And now, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, stir our hearts, that you'd minister to us. I know, Lord, we come in here with all sorts of burdens and uh, struggles. Um, Lord, some things that we just don't have the answer to. Lord, there's folks that sense an emptiness on the inside. Others, Lord, that you've just been working and they're, so, they're, they're just full of joy and they, they, they're just grateful that you're alive and well and present in their lives. Lord, whatever the need is, whatever end of the spectrum we're, we're on today, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your word and with your, your Holy Spirit, that you would just enable us to focus on you and to understand what you have for us. Lord, would you guide us through your word today? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've read the Bible, or if you have at any point uh, listened to the news, you have quickly, quickly realized that there is, um, there is this nation called Israel that is the focus of many geopolitical conversations. Have, have you noticed that? Like, it, it, it just pops up in the news everywhere that you look. It's, it's something that you can't avoid. 
It's something that is everywhere. And you realize very, very quickly that this small, tiny nation over in the Middle East uh, has the eyes of the world upon it. Isn't that interesting? It's just constantly in focus. And we want to see today, we want to understand today, um, not from a political standpoint, um, but really from a biblical standpoint, what is God's heart? What does God want you and I to have in our hearts concerning, concerning Israel? Now, we're here in the middle of mission weeks, and uh, even, even uh, this year, uh, we, we got this flag. We want to be reminded of it. Uh, we want to always remember that God blesses those that bless Israel. There is a blessing. Uh, I believe it's a, a wise thing for any nation to, to bless Israel and to encourage Israel um, because God gave a blessing. Those that bless Israel will be blessed. Those that curse Israel will be cursed. I don't want to be cursed. And I, individually, I want to be blessed, and I want to, to um, stand with Israel in, uh, in this way. But I want us to realize, uh, in the f- first century after Jesus Christ came, uh, came back, there was a destruction that came to Israel uh, in 70 AD. Uh, there was a great dispersion, uh, not only from 586 uh, uh, before Christ, but after Christ in 70 AD, we have this great dispersion of the, of, uh, the Jews throughout the world. And the homeland uh, ceased. They, they, were, they were destroyed, and, and that was a very, very difficult thing. And we bring that all the way to today, and we have, we have realized that all around the world there are, there are populations of, of Jewish people throughout the world. In fact, I was talking to one of our missionaries, Archie Perez, in Uruguay, just this week, and he told me that there is a large Jewish population there in, in Uruguay, and I, I, had no, I had no idea. He had visited Israel himself not too long ago, and he was on his way back, and, and, uh, and people were uh, uh, interested to know that he was a missionary down there, and he was finding those that are, uh, are Jews and in Uruguay, and that's where they, uh, where they live. And so I want us to realize there's this great dispersion of Jews all around around the world. But in 1948, uh, the, the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish state, the Israel, was reborn as a nation. You're aware of that. And God began in that time and till today to call the people back, just like the Bible says, to call the people back to the land. One of the very moving things for me when I was there was to hear those that do not even um, believe in Jesus and they're in leadership in Israel, in the Knesset, and to say this, I felt a calling in my heart. I felt a, a calling in my spirit to come back to the homeland, to come back. And so they're moving back, even though it's not necessarily safe, it's not necessar- necessarily uh, uh, totally stable, but they are moving back into the into the homeland in order to, um, to fulfill prophecy. They don't realize how much they're fulfilling prophecy, but in order to fulfill prophecy, as God has said, God is preparing towards the end. So I fully believe that, that the rebirth of Israel is a part of biblical prophecy. I don't, I don't see a, a, a difference between uh, Israel today and what Israel was back then, though, though there is a great secularism that Israel today was founded upon, and they certainly need the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they are occupying the same land that was promised to them by God to Abraham. I want us to see this map this morning to kind of get our, our, our brains wrapped around how much land was promised to the nation of Israel. The red that you see there on the, the land, according to Exodus chapter number 23, is the amount of land that God had promised to Abraham and to his descendants 
restated in Exodus to, to um, Moses. Now, we are fighting over land that is there in the blue, right? They don't want them there. And there is a great, there is a great um, a divide in the land. There are those that say they have no part in the land. They don't have any history in the land. And when you stand in the city of David and realize you're standing in David's palace and there's, there's coins in there that are, that are connected with verses of script, uh, Scripture and there's, there's tablets engraven in stone with, with the, uh, the words, the, the house of David, and you realize, you know what? David is a historical person and, and much of the, the rhetoric of today to say that they have no place there is certainly not congruent with, with history. And so God promised them a great amount of land that they are not even occupying today. They're occupying just that blue part there. Can you believe that? Just that blue part, though God promised them much, much more from the, from the, uh, the two rivers as the boundary. And so as we consider that, and consider kind of the, the tumultuous or the, you know, the unsettledness that's in the world today about Israel and relations with Israel. And we even hear some of the, 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 uh, the talking points in our, in our society today about people that want to be for Israel and those that don't want to be for Israel and so on. Put all of that aside. What does God want for us? Wouldn't you agree with me on that? What does God want our heart to be towards the Jewish people and towards Israel and, and besides what a politician wants or besides what the culture wants, what does God want our hearts to be towards Israel as believers? Do you know you're saved today? Do you know when you die you're going to spend eternity in heaven? Is there a reason from the Bible you can point to from the Bible and say, this is the reason when I die I'm going to heaven because the, the Bible says so, because I place faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have that confidence in your heart? Then as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, God has a heart for Israel and he wants you to have a heart for the Jewish people as well. So we're going to answer a few questions here today in our time together. Number one, I want us to think about this question. Why did God choose Israel? When you think about God choosing Israel, does that mean that he didn't care about the rest of the world? And honestly, uh, as a young person, even growing up in a church, I had a wrong perspective about this whole thing of God choosing Israel and hearing that they're God's chosen people. And so uh, God didn't care through the whole Old Testament. God didn't care about any of the Gentiles and he just cared about Israel and Israel's the only ones that could be saved. And I had a wrong perspective about that. And I want us to uh, uh, think about that today. To understand why God chose Israel as his chosen people, we have to go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. We realize that God created the heavens and the earth. He put man in there on the sixth day, the crowning jewel of creation. And he said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. You can eat of all the trees in the garden except that one. And in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, he was not just talking about physical death. He's also talking about the death of our spirit from God, the, the separation of our spirit from God, the separation between us and God in our, in our relationship. And so what did Eve do? She's hanging out by the tree. By the way, a good thing for us to just remember this week, if God said don't do it, don't hang out next to it this week. Right? The Bible says avoid it, pass not by it, and turn away. So sometimes we get tempted because we're hanging out, you know, right next to temptation. And so flee it like a Joseph. Get away from it. But Eve didn't, didn't do that, and she ate of the fruit. And the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, yes, it said man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, that was the first sin, disobedience of God. 
Because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, death passed upon the whole human race. The reason there is death, war, killing, murder, all of that today in our disease, the reason there is death today present in God's creation is because of man's sin, not because of God, man's sin. Many people try to throw that off on God. Well, God could change this. Yes, God could change it, but God was not the one that sinned. We sinned against him. And so there's a great problem that's happened, but here's what I love. Genesis chapter three, you don't even get outside of the, the passage of scripture. God is coming to, to Adam, to Eve, and to the serpent, and he's saying, here's the consequence of this, and uh, Adam, like a, like a stellar husband, man, not good. He blame shifts. The woman that thou gave me, You know, there's a fight in the garden that night. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you. There was a bit of a, there was a, bit of a discussion going on that night. Why did you throw me under the, on the, uh, under the bus, under the, under the tree or whatever? They didn't have buses back then. Why did you throw me under uh, in front of our creator? So th- there's blame shifting already happened. And you see all this just kind of this domino effect because of, of sin. But God does not even get far out of these consequences, listening to these, before he says, in embryonic form, in, in, very, in, in a nutshell, in kind of just a, a, a small way, that I'm going to send a redeemer, and the redeemer is going to come through my creation, which is mind-blowing. And I want us to think about Genesis 3 and verse number 15, and I will put enmity, um, hostile relationships, between thee and the woman, talking about the serpent and the woman. Any oh, ladies in here like snakes? Okay. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, talking about between your offsprings, it shall bruise thy head, talking to the serpent. Her seed is going to bruise your head and thou shalt bruise his heel. How many of you realize a head wound is a big deal? You with me? Yeah, a head wound, you don't want a head wound. Why do, why do bikers wear helmets or why should they wear helmets right well they don't want a head wound my daughter was riding her just her scooter you know the stand-up scooter and boy she went over the top of that thing and we we're like oh man we didn't have her she we didn't have her wearing something it's just a scooter she's just standing up and she went over the top of it and man she got herself right in the noggin you probably saw her healing up front um, from that but head wounds are concerning right we're asking a nurse, are, is she okay? We, we, we uh, took her to the doctor and et cetera. Is she okay? Why? Because a head wound's a problem. Do you know what this word bruise isn't just put a, a black and blue mark? The idea of this word bruise is to crush. For this reason, the Son of Man was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So do you understand that God was telling Eve right at the get-go, right after they had sinned, right after it was blame shifting, right after they had disobeyed their their God and they had been separated um, from him in their spirits. There's a breach in their relationship now. He told them, I'm going to send a, a redeemer through your seed and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. Well, that's good news. That is good news. I don't know about you, if I got bit by a snake, I'd want to kill it right? You think about in this, in this moment, you can imagine the horror that came across uh, Eve's heart as she realized, I sinned against my creator and I can't reverse this decision. But there is a redeemer who will bring justice to this situation coming, and he's going to come through your seed. Revelation 13 and verse number 8 tells us that 
God had this planned before the foundation of the world. Now you think about that. You think about God's love for his humanity, knowing that in their free will they were going to spurn him, but that he was going to provide them a redeemer. And that before the foundation of the world, God had planned to send Jesus to the cross for your sin and my sin that he might be glorified. Mm. What, what kind of God is this? This is not a vindictive God. This is a very, very loving God. And he loves you so very, very much. And so I'm thankful for this. Now, where does that leave us? All right, well, God has a plan. He's going to work this out. The Bible is a progressive revelation. It's revealing God's specific plan for us. So he's leading us along. And so he is going to choose a people through which he's going to bring the Messiah to all mankind. And he's going to choose, starting with Abraham, 26, uh, 2166 eight, um, BC, before Christ, some 2,000 years before Christ, he came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to get you out of your country as we've read this morning, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make your seed, I'm going to make your family a great nation. Later on, he tells them in Genesis 15, I'm going to make them like the, the sand of the sh- uh, seashore, so you can't even count them. I'm going to make them so large, and, and I'm going to bless the whole world through your family. Well, that's a pretty interesting statement. Wouldn't you like to, any of you with families like to know that your children are going to be the result, of, and, and through them, they're bless the whole world? I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, there's, there are some people today that are known around the world for some of their inventions, and they've blessed us with their inventions. But at the end of the day, none of them have blessed us with eternal life except Jesus Christ. And so here Abraham is being told, I'm going to bless the whole world. Look at Genesis 12 and verse number 3, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee, and in thee, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Not just Israel, but all the families of the earth be blessed, and that includes you. That includes you. So, who was Abraham's son? You remember? Isaac. Isaac. But we also have this little lapse of faith named Ishmael, from which we get a whole descendant, whole group of people that God loves that God loves. The Arabs, much of the, the Muslim religion comes, our descendants, our descendants from Ishmael. Now, I do want to just draw a point here. Our faith in God matters. Just one little lapse of faith. You remember that Abraham was promised a son. Well, we're getting to be 90 and 100. And we don't have a son yet. A little earlier than that, but we don't have a son yet. My wife's past childbearing age, and we better just take matters into our own hands. So Sarah says, Abraham, you take my, uh, our, our servant, uh, a girl, and you, you have a baby with her. And you realize from that, we have Ishmael. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 16 that his hand, he would be a wild man, and his, uh, his hand would be against his family, and the sword wouldn't pass out of his out of his hand, he'd be a wild man. You realize the tensions that we have today go all the way back to this decision. The tensions that are going on in Israel today go back to this decision. Our decisions and our faith in Jesus Christ matters. What you do today with Jesus, your choices today will have an impact 100 years from now. You may not live to see it, but we are still seeing it today. 
some 4,000 years later. And so uh, here we have it that through Isaac, God was going to bless and bring the Messiah. Isaac had, help me out here, who are the two sons? Jacob and Esau, or Esau and Jacob, you're right there in the, in the age order. And then Jacob was the one that God chose to continue this line, not because he hated, uh, hated uh, Esau, but because he chose, there's a line. He, God is doing something. It's all running towards the Messiah. And he says, I, I'm going to choose a Jacob. And how many sons did he have? Twelve. Can you name them all? No. All right, Judah, Reuben, Benjamin, Simeon. I'm hearing them, hearing them come out. All right, very, very good. And so you have 12 sons, and we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And so God was continuing to advance Abraham's family forward on purpose and for a purpose. And through Abraham's family, Israel, remember Jacob fought with God or wrestled with God, had that night with, uh, with God where he was wrestling with him. And he says, except I'm not going to leave you until you bless me. And he, he, the Lord touched the hollow of his thigh. He stopped wrestling with the Lord. And the Lord changed his name from being supplanter or deceiver to Israel, to Israel. All right, and so there's where we get the name Israel. We have the 12 sons of Jacob or the 12 tribes of Israel. So God has moved us Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who became Israel, who is, has 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. You know, Joseph, uh, Joseph had two sons and his sons were involved uh, in the land as well and having place in the land. All right, so you all with me still? Okay, very good. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number one. Matthew chapter number one. So we have this promise through Abraham, ultimately through his family, the Messiah would come. I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. And I want you to look at Matthew chapter number one and verse number one. Matthew one and verse number one. Are you there? Book of the generations of who? Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 16, jump down there with me. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ or the Messiah, the Greek word for the Messiah. Now, I bring you here. Luke's genealogy gives the side of Mary. And Matthew's genealogy gives the legal right that Jesus had to claim Messiahship through the line of Joseph. Joseph was not his dad, the God the Father. God the Father was, was the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and she, um, we believe that uh, Jesus was born of a virgin. So he did not have a human dad. Joseph was in reality his stepdad, but the legal right that he had um, is seen here in the book of Matthew. But what I want you just to catch here is what was promised all the way back in Genesis chapter number 12 is now being fulfilled and declared in Matthew chapter number one. Here are the generations. Here's what God did. Here's something really fascinating. If you ever wonder, is God orderly and does he like order? Look at verse number 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. That's 586. So when they, um, they were brought into captivity as a nation. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. And so we have, this, we have this timeline that God is working out from Abraham 
all the way to Jesus um, showing up on the scene in the fullness of time, as Galatians says, to be made of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem us from sin. In Galatians chapter number one. So we're very, very thankful for that. The subject of the Bible, I want you to know, is redemption. The subject of the Bible is redemption, and the main character of all Scripture is Jesus Christ. If you ever wonder, how does this all mesh together? Jesus Christ runs all the way through Scripture. It's all about him. We, today, we look back to him, but it's all about him. However, he came unto his own, the Jewish people, and what did they do? His own received him not. John 1 and verse number 11. Very, very sad verse. Jesus would preach to them. He'd talk to them in the synagogues. Peter would preach to them on the day of Pentecost. Paul would go to their synagogues, and consistently they rejected him. They, they looked at the Gentiles. Really, there's only two races in the Bible, Jew and Gentile. Okay, But they would look at the Gentiles, and they'd call them dogs. And even though they did not receive the Messiah, boy, it got under their skin when Paul said, I'm taking the gospel, salvation to the Gentiles. They would pick up stones. They got so upset. And uh, really, the book of Acts closes out with Paul saying to the, the Jewish people, you've rejected, and you've rejected, and you've rejected. I'm taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, he carries it out, what we heard Brother Hartman mention. We uh, heard him mention about how that they've been set aside so as to provoke them to jealousy. In their rejection, they've been set aside. God is focusing in this, this age on the church and bringing the gospel to the world through you and me. But his plan was to bring the Messiah, to bless all the world through the Jewish line, through Israel, and bring the Messiah into the world. And I'm so thankful that he carried out that plan. I'm thankful Jesus came, aren't you? I'm thankful he came. Now, if Israel is God's chosen people, what about the rest of the world? Do they matter? Do you matter? How many of you are Gentiles? I mean, the most of us in here, there may be someone in here that is a, is a Jew today, but um, primarily, we're probably speaking to mostly, mostly Gentile. And does it matter? Now, just mentioned they're his chosen people to do what? Through them that the Messiah would come. But what about God's heart for the rest of the world? Did he spend 2,000 plus years just focused on one group of people? Did he care about them? So does God care about the Gentiles? 700 years before Christ came, Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied, and he, uh, he spoke of the ministry that, that God wanted the Messiah to have in Isaiah 49 and verse number 6. And he said, is it a light thing or is it a trivial thing? And he actually makes it in a statement. It is a trivial thing that thou shouldest be my servant, the Messiah, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of, of Israel, to come and rescue them. It's a, it's a light thing. It's a trivial thing. It's, it's not that big of an ask, is what God is saying. It, it's, 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 it's within my power to be able to do this. It's within my power to, to be able to, to reach out to the Jewish people. But he goes on, he says, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou might, mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. You know what God is saying here? I am not just concerned about saving and rescuing and redeeming Israel to myself. I'm also very, very interested in redeeming the whole world to myself. And that will be the ministry of the Messiah. That's what he's come to do. Now, 
They came unto, uh, he came unto his own, his own received him not, but God's heart is still, I want the whole world to be saved. Quote John 3.16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the Gentiles. For God so loved Israel. No, for God so loved the world. And you're in that world. Aren't you thankful for that? And so praise the Lord. And so God is, God the Father is speaking to the anointed one. He's saying, I, I, it's, it's, it's a trivial thing. It's, it's very small. It's, it's within my power to do this. But I want, us to, I want us to not just focus on Israel, my people. I want, I want the whole world to be saved. And God was using and intended that Israel themselves would be the channel of bringing that light and message to the, to the world. They were to teach the world. They were to communicate God's goodness. In the they didn't do very well at that. I do want us to realize that this, uh, this burden, this heart of God for the whole world continues. The vision of the coming Messiah in the book of Daniel, chapter 7 and verse number 13, we find here that all the people, nations, and languages should serve him. God's heart was that everyone, not just Israel, but all the nations would serve him, including the United States and including Russia and including China and North Korea. Is, he is interested in the whole world bowing before him and, and serving him, not just his people. Hosea 2 and verse number 23, um, God says, I will sow her th- uh, unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that hath not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which are not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say, thou art my God. And that's such a blessing to think that that God's, I, I'm, I'm choosing a people to bring my Messiah into the world, to bless all the world, to give salvation and eternal life to the whole world, to offer that through his death, burial, and his resurrection. But I just want to say, God, God speaking, I, I'm talking to those that are not my people, that one day you're going to say, you are my people, and they're going to respond, yes, you are our God. I hope you've had that moment. I hope you've had that moment. You've been created. You, you woke up with life today. Your heart is beating today. Why? God created you. He's given you life. The breath of God is in your lungs. You have life today, and he wants, he wants the same scenario to happen. You are my people, and you to say, yes, you're mine too. You're my God. To accept him, to accept what he's done for you at the cross, to accept the forgiveness of sins that he's offering to you. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture, especially in context of the book of Isaiah. And then in Joel, chapter number 2 and verse number 28, the Bible says in the last days that he's going to pour out his spirit. I'm sure thankful for the Holy Spirit of God that indwells every believer. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. They're going to declare the truth. That's what we're supposed to be doing by the power of the Holy Spirit today, declaring the truth. And this will continue on. And your young men shall see visions. And, 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 and also upon the, the servants, in that, upon the handmaids, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Everyone will have this opportunity if they'll believe in Jesus Christ. And I will show wonders in the heavens, blood and, and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13 says the same thing. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The way that you're going to get saved today is by acknowledging your own sinfulness before a holy God and calling out to him like a drowning person, calling out for a lifeguard, calling out to him saying, I need to be rescued. 
I can't do it on my own. My church attendance, my baptism, my background, my family upbringing, it can't save me. But I accept what you did for me at the cross. I receive that. Isn't that great? And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's an Old Testament prophet. And so for those that think, well, God is only concerned about Israel, he's saying, no, no. My heart is for the whole world. My heart is for the whole world, and his heart is for you. So God has been, always had a heart for all men to be redeemed. So in effect, the Messiah was, would not just come to them for them, but through them, the world. Yes, before them, but it was to be, the Messiah would come through them for the world. And that was God's whole point. It was not to exclude the rest of the world, but to include the world to himself, to include them in being reconciled. Are you all with me? So that's, that's a big, big picture about the Bible. Big picture view of the Bible. So what should my heart be toward Israel? What should my heart be towards Israel? It is true that Israel as a people in general has rejected the Messiah. I told you about the Messiah that they're hoping for would return, the pictures that are all over Israel, pasted on the back of street signs, and they're waiting for this one that has already died. Back in the, the 90s, I believe it was, and they're waiting for him to return. They've rejected Jesus Christ, Yeshua, as their Messiah. It's a very heart-wrenching thing to be at the Western Wall and to watch their prayer for the peace of Jerusalem when you know that their peace had already come and is available to them right now. But what is our heart to be? I have seen some people get kind of a hostile attitude towards Israel and the Jewish people. Well, they've rejected my Jesus, so, mm, you know, kind of that attitude. Mm -mm. In fact, do you know what happens in our homes when one child gets in trouble and the other one starts boasting of their righteousness? How does that go? I mean, that just makes for a real peaceful home right? Well, I never. Be quiet. Because you have. Now, the, the idea is here, us as Gentiles, we should look at what's happened to them and be sobered. Realize that a whole people can be shrouded in darkness and rejection. I mean, it is determined rejection against them. Paul said, you be careful that you don't get lifted up in arrogance about this. In fact, he said it this way in Romans chapter number 11 and verse 20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off and stand, and thou standest by faith. You've, you've come into the family of God by faith. You've come into the kingdom of God by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branch, those that he chose, take heed, lest he spare not also thee. The idea is don't, don't act like you're something better. You have a humble heart about this. So my first encouragement to us is let's have a humble heart towards the people that are shrouded in darkness and have rejected, in general, their Messiah. But I want us to notice Matthew chapter number 23, if you're following along in the notes, the verse is there, but Matthew chapter number 23, verse 37, Jesus approaching Jerusalem, looking over Jerusalem, and from the Mount of Olives, looking over and, and seeing Jerusalem as a, as a city, and a beautiful city with the temple there, and, and all, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
Thou killest the prophets and stonest them that were sent to thee. How often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her children under her wings, and ye would not. It's like, it's like a parent that has a wayward child, and you've offered, and you've offered to get together and to show kindness, to help them through, to give them counsel, and they consistently throw it back in your face. And you know the pain of that. And Jesus is looking over his people, his people. This is his flesh and blood. He's fully God, fully man, his his people. You wouldn't. I wanted to gather you. I wanted to comfort you. I wanted to give you peace. I wanted to I wanted to show you that salvation is accomplished, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth, but you would not. And there's another really, really touching. When he was coming in for the triumphal entry, great pomp and circumstance coming into Jerusalem, and the idea is as he is, he is coming in on the donkey, this young donkey, Luke 19, verse 41, and when he had come near and beheld the city, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this day, thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. They wanted a political messiah. In fact, today I'm pretty certain that Americans want a political messiah more than they want the messiah. And we're no different. I'm all about being involved. I want us to be involved. I want you to vote. But friends, the Messiah does not sit in the White House. And nor does he sit in a Senate seat or a House of Representatives. They need Jesus. They need the Messiah. If they had the Messiah in their heart, they'd start doing some of the right things and stop being so dishonest. But in that day, they rejected Jesus because he wasn't going to give them political freedom. In fact, they chose Barabbas, who was known as a political, as a political operative, one that was, was going about and killing and stirring up insurrection in order, to, in order to free them. So they chose him over Jesus, put Jesus on the cross. We don't want your salvation. We want physical salvation. So Jesus looks at all this and his heart breaks. Can you get inside the mind of Jesus for just a moment? You tell me, you tell me that God would be pleased in us having any other attitude than a broken heart for Israel. It was really, really difficult to watch people who you know are standing there for hours reading and praying and begging God for peace in Jerusalem and I'm walking in and out of their midst realizing he's already here. You've missed him. The very scriptures you're reading right now, you've missed them. You're not willing to hear. You, you, you throw a riot if his name is brought up. You're praying for the very, the very Messiah that has already walked among you and loved you and healed your sicknesses and been at your pools and, and helped you out and gave you sight. And He's already been here and he's still crying out to you, I'm here, believe on me, accept my peace. And 
I, I can only imagine the heart of Jesus being broken. He knew that his people were going to put him on the cross. And so he wept. So what was the churches, the early church's attitude? Well, they struggled a little bit. You remember when Peter started giving the gospel to the Simon the Tanner in Joppa? Like, why, why did you bring the gospels to the Gentiles? And, and there was this kind of this back and forth division in the church that had to be navigated through the book of Acts. But by the time we get a little further on, some of those, those struggles, those tensions had been settled in the body of Christ and realizing Jesus is for the Jew and Jesus is for the Gentile. Paul even said, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to the, uh, 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 the power of God unto salvation to him that believeth to both the Jew and the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it in any way. Paul, in our text, had a heavy heart. Ten, uh, Romans 10 and verse number 1, my heart's desire, my prayer is that Israel would be saved. He says in, in chapter number 9, verses 1 through 3, I'd even rather go to hell. That's not a curse word. To go to hell if it meant that Israel would be saved. Now, I don't know anyone who carries that type of burden except the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't carry that type of burden. That's a heavy burden. So not only did Jesus break and weep over over Israel, but Paul broke and was even willing to be eternally cursed so that Israel would be saved, if it were possible. That's a burden. All I'm trying to say, does God want you and I to have a burden for Israel today and for the Jewish people? Yes. Now all I'm asking you is to have an open heart. Have an open heart. You live in a community where there's synagogues. You pass them. You can look at them and say, well, they just rejected Jesus so long. Or you can say every time you pass that synagogue, God, would you open their eyes? God, would you give me an opportunity to to, um, to lead them to you, to provoke their jealousy and to, to help them to realize the Messiah has come. Now, is God working among the Jews today? Yes. And if you allow me a little bit more, I want to give you just a, a, some statistics that will help us to understand that. Many are turning to Jesus Christ today. That's the things that you're not going to hear on CNN or MSNBC or any of the like. Not on Newsmax either, okay? Just, they're not reporting on on what God is doing oftentimes. The Jewish population in the world, can anyone guess what you think the Jewish population is? Did I put it in there? All right, so you have a cheat sheet. Go ahead and guess all in unison, 15 million. All right, very good. So in the United States, this I did not put in there. Anyone have a guess for how many are in the United States? And we're still cheating. All right, but notice this. That is... Of the world population of Jews, that's 47.9% are here in the United States. Any guess on which city has the most Jews in it? New York. Remember why I said it's strategic to be there? So in Israel, there's 7.1 million. I find that interesting that that statistic is still there, 45%. Are there now? Israel has a, a population. It's not just Jew, Jews. It has a population around 10 to 12 million. So about the state of Ohio is what what is in Israel. In Ohio, you have that 151,000 here in Dayton 
uh, about 4,000. 4, it's lessened as people have moved away, aged, and, and, and so on. But we still have a population here, Oakwood, Be um, uh, Beaver Creek, uh, Centerville, uh, this area. We have a population of Jewish, uh, Jewish people. Now, here's some interesting things. In 1948, when uh, Israel was reborn as a nation, as its own nation, uh, there were only 23 known believers in Jesus Christ in Israel. Today, there are 30,000 known evangelicals, those that have believed on Jesus Christ and are following him, are gathering uh, together uh, to worship the Lord. And so that's a wonderful thing, that God is still saving people right in the land of Egypt, but, well, you, or not the land of Israel, but what you should understand is that God is doing a wonderful work among the Jewish people, and primarily here in the United States, many people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, saying that, it makes us more special than anywhere else, but we have the greatest population outside of Israel, and so many are coming to the Lord Jesus, on Jesus Christ and believing on him. And they, you might come across them. Uh, there are certainly different branches, but they, the Messianic Jews, they're, they're those that have believed on Jesus Christ. They, that is how they're termed in Israel. They have believed on Jesus Christ. And so, 1967, it is understood that there were about 2,000 here in the United States or in the world. And then in 2023, 871,000 believing Jews in the United States. Uh, friends, that's not the world population of the, of the Jews, uh, that 15 million, but I'm thankful to God for that 871,000 here in our country, and we praise the Lord for that. There's about estimated 1 million that are believers throughout the world. Now, this comes from a study that was just recently done by, uh, through Joshua Fund and also through LifeWay Research um, and that has been put out by Jewish Alliance for, um, for Freedom. And so here we, uh, here we have this very, very uh, interesting statistic that God is indeed working in the world today and yes, even in our own country. And, and we do well to support and to partner with our, our missionary there in New York to encourage and to, to preach the gospel and to make those relationships. And we want to be involved in that. And I pray that one day we'd even be able to go up to New York together and they have a, a ministry trip up there to see what God is doing there in New York. And I just want us to realize that God wants Israel to be saved. Romans eleven twenty six, And so all Israel shall be saved, as hard as that. And he's working towards that. And there is the next thing on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. And God will continue to work with Israel, drawing them to themselves. They'll ultimately look to Jesus Christ, whom they've pierced at the Battle of Armageddon, who rescues them from all the armies of the world and realize we pierced him, we killed him. He is the, indeed the Messiah. And they'll believe on him. We look forward to that day. There are a couple of takeaways, several takeaways I want to give you. Number one. Would you do what you can, take the initiative to learn more about the Jewish people, not only in the world, but in your community? Uh, I put on there uh, several links um, on your, your guide, several links. One would be to our missionary, our partners um, ministry in New York. But the Joshua Fund has a lot of information. All Israel News has a lot, a lot of is, uh, interesting information about what God is doing in the in the world of the, of the Jews. So I want to encourage you to learn. Also, I want to encourage you about this book. Our missionary partner, Craig Hartman, has written this book entitled Through Jewish Eyes. You can pick this book up on Amazon, and I encourage you to consider reading this book to understand from a Jewish perspective 
he is a Jew from a Jewish perspective. Many of the things in the world, even how his testimony and his writings can help you um, be prepared to share the gospel with a Jewish individual. So let's do our best to learn. Learn. The Bible says that our eyes affect our hearts. Number two, let's make sure that we're praying. Uh, uh, the same Lifeway research found that 71% of evangelicals in America believe and strongly believe that it is important that the gospel be given to the Jewish people. However, only 30% of evangelicals in America reported that they have a Jewish friend, that they have someone they, they know who is a Jew. Understand that you know, it's not a huge part of our population, so some of that, just the dynamics of that, uh, are real there. But I say to you that you and I ought to seek to have Jewish friends, relationships with, uh, with the Jews uh, so that we might win them to Christ. However, of those 30% of evangelicals that have, or the others that say we do have Jewish friends, um, 35% said they, they've prayed for their salvation in the last week. And so uh, even of those that have Jewish friends, they, they are not largely, or the majority is not saying well, we're praying for them on a weekly basis. If you have a friend that's Jewish, I want you to be praying for them on a weekly basis. I want to encourage you to pray for their salvation. Pray that God would open their eyes to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and be ready to talk. So pray for them. Paul prayed for them. His heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel was that they might be saved. Number two, and I've already talked on this, so I'm just going to give it as a takeaway. Pray about what you're going to give and how you're going to partner. How you're going to partner. Um, specifically, even towards our missionary there in, uh, in New York. And then number four, go. Actively seek relationships. Actively seek relationships. Be aware of what God is doing. Be aware of what's happening in the Jewish community right in our own community of the greater Dayton area. If you know a Jew, pray for them. Ask for opportunities to connect with them. Uh, be, become a friend. Don't just invite them to church. Become a friend to them. Go to them. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go to them. And so with those takeaways, I want to ask you just to bow your head and pray today with me. And we're going to just ask the Lord to open up doors of opportunity for us as a church and for you as an individual to seek the welfare of the Jewish people. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks for this wonderful plan of redemption that you have made. We give you thanks for bringing the gospel to our, us. And we ask that you would help us not to be negligent in bringing the gospel to all the world, and yes, even to your people. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, in an attitude of prayer, would you personally, if you know a, a Jewish individual, would you personally pray for them, even right now, by name, call their name out to the Lord? If you do not, would you also pray that God would open up this door to you? Would you have an open heart? Say, Lord, I'm open. Would you lead someone into my life I can befriend and encourage and help come to Jesus? While you're praying, I'd also like to ask, is there anyone here that needs to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior? You don't know for certain. When you die, you'll spend eternity in heaven. Everyone's praying and in an attitude of prayer. And I would just wonder, is there anyone that would say, Pastor, I don't know, but I'm interested in knowing some of these verses have touched my heart. I'm interested in knowing that when I die, I'll spend eternity in heaven. I want to have that hope. You'd say with an upraised hand, I'll not point you out, but I'd certainly like to know if that's what's going on in your heart. Just an upraised hand, just wave at me and 
I want to know for certain. Amen, I see that. I want to know for certain. And my invitation to you is right after this service, we're not in a hurry to run anywhere. Our greatest desire would be to help you know from the Bible how you can be saved. And so I want to connect you right after the service with someone that can show you from the Bible how you can be saved. You don't have to run off. I just really want to encourage you to settle that today. Today. Anyone else? Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem together as a congregation. You told us to in the book of Psalms. We want them to know you as their peace. I pray for us that you would use us. Here we are. Father, in many, many of the cases here in this room, we don't know what step to take in order to, to put this into practice other than we need you to connect us with Jewish individuals who are seeking, hungry, their religion, they feel an emptiness inside. We want you to connect us with them. Lord, I pray that you would help us open up doors of opportunity. Help us to be faithful to pray. Help us to be faithful to give. Lord, help us to go as you open up those doors. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.